0: In a world called Craig's List. Happy Oscars, Carla. <laughs> Happy
1: Oscars, Craig.
0: And so this is Oscars. <laughs> and what have you done?
1: Well, you watched every single movie that came out in
0: Another year older.
1: All right. <laughs> that's true
0: (laughs) hello listeners. it's the best of 2019 we're taking a pause from craigslist this week to do a little oscar preview and talk about our favorite films and performances of the year 2019
1: is this the third or fourth time we've done this
0: i (laughs) i think it's the fourth
1: i think you're right
0: i think i am right that means we've been doing this podcast for a long ass time yeah but this is...
1: Are, 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 people still out there?
0: <laughs> you still out there, Craig's listeners? There's Tweet at us if you are.
1: Maybe two or three?
0: Cool. Uh, we love that you're there. And, uh, this is our favorite episode to do all year, I think. It
1: is. It's a fun one.
0: Because Carla finally gets to talk about not only just one movie she loves, but ten movies she loves.
1: Yes. I have a lot of movies on my list. This was a really challenging year too. I mean, it's always challenging for me because there's like usually four or five things that I love and then everything else that I feel like whatever about. So it, so this year was like actually about, it was, it was a lot of things that I loved. I'm not drunk. It's just early in the morning. <laughs> it's very early in the morning. Uh, so much that I love that I just there are so many things that were deserving of my list and didn't make it because I have to prioritize.
0: The consensus seems to be that this was a special movie year.
1: It really was. I mean, I know we've been saying that, but who is the consensus besides us?
0: <laughs> well, me, you. <laughs> no, I, I feel, uh. When you look at the best picture nominees, there's usually a lot more quibbling. I think there's one kind of controversial choice, which is Joker, right? Um, which has some backlash, but also some supporters. But other than that, I think the consensus is pretty strong on most of the other nominees. Eh, maybe Irishman and Marriage Story have a little bit of a backlash as well, yeah. but uh, but we'll get into that because we're going to talk about those movies. But I I think this is not the deepest movie year. Cause I do a top 25 list every year and a lot of years there are movies that I hate to cut from my top 25. This year it felt like a stretch. Uh, like the, my movies from like 16 to 25. I'm like, ah, I'll throw this one in there.
1: Oh, really? Too.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's a deep movie year, but I do feel like I saw 10 masterpieces. Okay. And that makes up my top 10 this year. So I feel like this is a top heavy year where there's some all timer movies. That came out that I think their reputations will only grow in time. Uh, and to be fair, there's probably about 30 movies that I'd really like to see that I haven't yet.
1: Really? I thought you saw everything.
0: Well, I see a lot of documentaries and foreign films and indies and stuff like that. So I do like to kind of go back over 2020 and then I'll kind of fill in the gaps of stuff that I missed. But I feel like I saw the big, big ones. This was a year when when the Oscar nominations came out, I had literally seen everything in the major categories already, mm. which never happens. Wow. There's usually like two or three films that I haven't seen. How about you? Had did you see everything that you wanted to?
1: I didn't. I didn't see um The Last Black Man in San Francisco yet. Mm. And I, that was one that I meant to see and it looked so beautiful. It's in the
0: streaming on Hulu now, I think. Yeah,
1: so I just have to sit down and do that. I wish that I had stuck out the Irishman just so that I could have the reference to it when yeah. you start to talk about it. Today. I think
0: you made about a half hour into the three and a half hour movie.
1: And I don't remember one thing about it. <laughs> there is a hummingbird outside our window right now. Oh, it just, it tried to pollinate the, uh, Birds of Paradise. I'm so sorry. That was beautiful nature. That was the, better, the best movie I've seen all year right in front of me.
0: <laughs> okay. You want to revise your list? Um, <laughs>
1: sorry. <laughs> Coming
0: uh, at number one, Hummingbird Outside My Window. It's
1: amazing. I don't even know if it's a hummingbird. But anyways, um, I didn't see Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I wanted to see.
0: Hasn't come out in LA yet.
1: Oh. Maybe it wasn't a 2019 movie then. It
0: was. Oh. Yeah. It was <laughs> eligible for for awards, but I, I, it hasn't had its wide release yet.
1: And then, um,
0: I want to see Ad Astra, which I have not seen. Yet. I meant
1: to see that because I like Brad Pitt quite a bit,
0: but you hate space,
1: but I hate space. Um, warming up to space with this new Avenue five TV show on HBO. <laughs> it's like my kind of space
0: story. Well, it matches what you think space would be, which is just tedium and anger and chaos and chaos. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, and it's so funny. Uh Okay. What else did I saw,
0: Well, you saw the major things that you wanted to see, I yeah, think. I we, mean, you didn't see Ford versus Ferrari. No, I don't
1: care. I don't care about that movie. Yeah. I can tell. Sometimes <laughs> I just know like that is not for me. I will say I felt like 1917 wasn't for me, and then I kept hearing about it, and so we went to see it yesterday. You saw it a second time, and I saw it for the first time, and I'm really glad that we saw that.
0: Oh, does that mean it's going to make your list? It I guess we'll did. find out. Yeah. Oh, it did. Yeah. Wow. Spoilers.
1: I so- wish I had like an extra week to really think about it. Cause my list this year, maybe more than, I mean, it's probably how I always do it. Who knows what I've said in the previous years. Um, cause I don't remember anything, but this year, especially, I feel like my list is all full, is full of movies that like affected me in an emotional way that I couldn't stop thinking about them for a while hmm. and are movies that I would see more than once. That's good. That's what my list is made up of. So it's more like a favorite movie list as opposed to a best movie list. Does that make sense? Of
0: course. That's what mine is too. Okay. And that's what Craig's list is, by the way. It's my favorite movies. Right.
1: Like some of these on this list maybe aren't the best movies of the year in terms of – although I think some of them are. But they're certainly my favorite movies.
0: Now, we should let Craig's listeners know that there will be spoilers. And this is something we don't normally get into on the regular podcast because we're talking about 80-year-old movies in some right. cases. Like on the last episode, we spoiled that Rosebud was uh, Charles Foster Kane's sled. Exactly. So – but I think
1: – We're you- going to spoil these movies because we can't talk about – when I'm looking at my list, like a lot of these movies, the spoiler or the twist or the turn of the film is why I liked it so much. So I can't imagine discussing these films
0: without talking about the spoilers. So if there's a movie that you're planning on seeing that we start talking about, you may want to zap ahead two or three minutes. Yeah.
1: We give you permission to ignore some of our stuff today. <laughs> um
0: But we don't want to be coy or discreet. We really wanna analyze yeah. why we love these movies then.
1: And we're not professional critics, so it's not our job what? to protect the <laughs> the uh the the secretness of the movies or whatever. We we listen to Slate Culture Gab Fest every week. That's why I said that because they don't spoil anything and sometimes the way they talk about film feels very broad and like I don't understand what they're saying because they're not spoiling it.
0: (laughs) Yes. So this is how this goes. We'll do our top ten performances of the year. We've each made a list of ten favorite performances. We'll do our top ten movies for the year and then we'll do our Oscar picks of things that we want to win and who we think will win. Uh, we'll just do that for the major categories for the Oscars.
1: I think that's a good idea.
0: So why don't we get into our favorite performances of the year?
1: Let's get into it, Craig.
0: All right. Are you ready, Benny? He's pissed. What was Benny's favorite movie this year?
1: Um, Paddington Two. <laughs>
0: That wasn't this year.
1: I still haven't seen those movies. I'm gonna love those movies.
0: Benny doesn't understand the concept of a year, first of all.
1: I gotta watch those movies.
0: Oh both Paddington movies are spectacular. <laughs>
1: I can't <laughs> believe I haven't seen them.
0: They're I'm so they're so great and you will love them. I'm regretting
1: everything about myself right now. Okay. Um sometimes I just get lazy, you know? All right. So what are we doing? Perf- I know you just said it. <laughs>
0: performances. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to get into that things that you regretted leaving off your top 10? performances. Well,
1: I kind of want to do the performances and then do the honorable mentions. Okay. Is that okay? Cool.
0: Let's start with your number 10 performance of the year.
1: My number 10 performance of the year is Winston Duke <laughs> from us. Yeah. He plays Gabe and Abraham. He's the husband uh, in the movie. And I love being able to say that. <laughs> <laughs> like she's not the wife. She's the main character, but he's the husband and he's wonderful.
0: He's kind of the comic levity of the movie, he which is. is necessary,
1: but it's such a grounded, it's hilarious. He's hilarious in it. Even in the most terrifying moments, he's very funny, but it's so grounded and real. And he behaves in such a way that like I can recognize like as a way that I might behave in a s that kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I just love how he's like simultaneously brave and a total coward at the same time, like, and he has to work himself up to being brave. I just feel it's so relatable, which is hilarious to say because it's a horror movie. It's not supposed to be relatable necessarily, but it's recognizable behavior, I think
0: it really feels like this is what happened if a regular guy was thrust yeah. into this
1: yes it it's it's such a good performance, and i, yeah, I wish that there were awards. <laughs> For people in movies that the movie wouldn't be the same without them. Like a hundred percent if he wasn't in that movie, I don't think I would have liked it as much as I did. Yeah. Because he made me laugh in moments where I was freaking out and like kind of brought me back to, you know, Earth.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because we're we're in the SAG union mm-hmm. and so we vote on those awards and I watched the awards ceremony because I liked films and i like you know watching actors talk about actors you know but i feel like uh union actors are the worst judges what actually constitutes good acting sometimes judging from what they nominate and Uh so i think and i think there's a lot of reasons why you might love uh performance sometimes it's just like seeing a great movie star like doing the thing that they do mm-hmm. sometimes it's somebody showing you uh, a side or a facet to them that you didn't think was there and sometimes it's really like knowing the technical aspects of film like knowing how difficult it must have been to give that performance um i was reading a little bit about joaquin phoenix and joker this morning and somebody wrote that uh, he really should be nominated for most acting. Yeah. Uh, And that's what it is a lot of times, is whoever's doing the most acting.
1: I mean, I I didn't see Joker. I kind of... I have a chip on my shoulder about Joker, and I haven't explored those feelings because I don't really care to indulge in why things get me angry sometimes. Uh (laughs) So everything that I say about Joker today comes from a place of not having seen it. But I just... I, I have watched clips of it, and I just can't imagine sitting through that movie.
0: Please don't. Yeah. I mean, I I found it repulsive.
1: And I don't think I, I'm fine with Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's a fine actor. I think he's a great actor. But I do I just too. Have I have th- no desire to see that movie.
0: And he's always got like a mesmerizing kind of screen presence. Yeah. You know.
1: I mean, To Die For is one of my favorite movies of all time, and he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Going back to when he was just a, a kid. Uh, so I don't mean to hate on Joaquin Phoenix or the filmmakers. I know everybody put a lot of time and effort into it. I, I get it, but it's just not something that I want to put my brain, uh, my brain cells in <laughs>
0: <laughs> all of which to say that Winston Duke is the kind of performance that would never get acknowledged on an award show, right. but he just makes it look so easy.
1: Effortless. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I I definitely considered him for my top ten. I have him. You in did. My, I have him in my honorable mention.
1: Oh, you did. I yeah. thought I was gonna be a surprise.
0: No. I, well, you usually have some left field choices. Yeah. I don't yeah. really
1: this year. I was thinking that today. I was like, these none of these are left field because <laughs> there were so many incredible performances this year yeah. that were recognized.
0: And there wasn't a Woody Harrelson performance this year. You <laughs> usually have Woody Harrelson in your top ten. And then sometimes you you go for stuff from TV. Uh. Yeah, you've done the past as well
1: i mean there was a lot of great tv this year but i didn't cheat that way so that's what i mean like i feel like in previous years i had to really scramble to fill yeah. these slots and this year it was like overflowing i
0: okay. love i love it when winston duke goes from his like nerdier natural character voice to his street voice to try to yes. intimidate the uh, oh my god the family that's threatening him it's so good uh Cool. Uh, What's your number 10? Number 10, I had uh, America's Sweetheart, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Nice. Oh, man. Wonderful. I I mean, mean,
1: talk about like a movie that couldn't have been made without that particular actor. Like who else in the whole world could play Mr. Rogers? Nobody could do it.
0: But I think it goes beyond imitation. and I agree. I think other than just kind of capturing the cadence and rhythm of Mr. Rogers, he's really not doing imitation. He's just kind of doing if Tom Hanks was mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers, and it totally works for yeah. some reason. And uh, Mari Heller, the director, I think made some cool choices as well to add kind of an artificiality to the way the movie is presented that mm-hmm. I think also makes it okay with kind of just believing – Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Yeah. That documentary only came out like 2 years ago, right? So right. I think the the real Mr. Rogers is very fresh in our mind, but yeah. he managed to create a a movie version of that that totally worked. And man, I was emotionally raw for almost the entire duration of this movie. Me
1: too. I And it's such a tough thing cuz like if this was the first thing anybody had ever seen Tom Hanks do. <laughs> Like he would be getting all the awards, but because he's Tom Hanks and he's so, um, he's been so awarded for so many wonderful performances, it's like it's easy to take him for granted. Um, I do think he, he deserves, you know, every, all the awards for this performance. I think he's great.
0: Yeah. I think because he won back to back for, uh, Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. Yeah. He's almost been under acknowledged since then because m- remember, famously, he wasn't nominated for Captain Phillips, which might have been his greatest performance oh my God. ever. Yeah. And I don't think he was nominated for Catch Me If You Can or what's the movie where he played a hitman, the Sam Mendes movie? Oh,
1: uh, Road to Perdition. Road to
0: Perdition. Such a great movie. I don't think he had been nominated since Castaway, I think. Hmm. So it's almost like he was formally registered as America's actor, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then is almost taken for granted a little bit. And so it was great to see him get another nomination for this year because I love this performance. I did too. What was your number nine?
1: My number nine was George McKay in 1917. This is a tricky one because I just saw it yesterday, but I can't believe he wasn't nominated for best actor. I mean, it's pretty overwhelming, his performance
0: it's hard. This was a year where there was a lot of big time movie stars. Yeah. Like if you look at the nominees for supporting actor in particular, like nobody's breaking in ahead of those like five legendary actors. Yeah. The parasite cast, none of them were acknowledged. It's insane. And, uh, uh, Sang Sang Kang Ho is the, the dad of the, uh the grifter family in parasite. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of the star of most of, uh, Bong's movies. Mm-hmm. So he is fairly well known I think to like international audiences. He would have been the person to get a nominee, but I don't know why I'm talking about Parasite. Now. <laughs> but <don't> uh, <laughs> that's uh a case where there's like here's 10 incredible actors but they're all Korean and not as well known to us. They're not breaking in ahead of these big Hollywood stars unfortunately. And so I think that was a similar case for George MacKay. Oh MacKay. I think that's how you say it. Probably. Yeah. I'll
1: probably say most of these names wrong. <laughs> um, yep, loved it. Loved his performance. Very moving. It's sticking with me today at least. So
0: I mean, that's something where he's in every frame of the movie, yeah. basically. And I can't imagine the amount of work that went into that. Yeah. Maybe the best cinematic runner since Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, since Tom Cruise, I mean. <laughs> oh, I
1: was thinking since Tom Hanks running in Forrest Gump. I totally was on board with that.
0: <laughs> no, I, I was Parallel. thinking of Tom Cruise in every movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, What's your number nine?
0: Number nine, I have Florence Pugh. Yeah. For Midsummer.
1: Oh. A movie see it. you
0: did not see.
1: I know. I probably should. I just, gosh, I just don't want to feel bad.
0: <laughs> oh, it is fucking intense. I
1: think I will love it as the aesthetic of it. I think I will love the performances. I just don't want to feel like, um, like the world is a scary place.
0: <laughs> I get it. I you get know? it. I honestly don't I think you could go either way with Midsummer depending like on I your mood on that day. You yeah. might. Sometimes you surprise me. I know, I surprise
1: I, myself too.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> But I think knowing that it's an actress that you like and that uh it's a female centric movie. Yeah. Uh I and should it's,
1: watch it. I'll just watch it first thing in the morning when I feel like it's a new day. <laughs>
0: Also, the entire – because it's in Sweden where the sun never sets, the entire movie is in sunlight, yeah. which is kind of the central conceit behind making a, a horror movie out of perpetual sunlight. Right. You know? Um, yeah. There's I some- used to
1: love horror movies when I was younger. I loved them and I just have a hard time now. <laughs>
0: But I really like this director, uh, Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and also Midsummer. Also
1: did see
0: that. Nope. Yeah, Hereditary you could not handle, no. I would say. You had the entire plot of Hereditary described to you, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> A friend sat me down and went scene by scene. And I was like, yeah, I can never see that.
0: But he's an incredible director of actors because I had Tony Collette on my list last year for Hereditary mm-hmm. and Florence Pugh – is probably my favorite young actor working right now. Like, I've seen practically everything that she's done. All right. Uh, she, she's only, I think, 23 at this point, and she's so versatile. And, um, yeah, I mean, her character just kind of goes through hell, mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, but you're, you're with her all the way, and she like reaches some incredible emotional depths.
1: Number eight. My turn. Yes. Tom Hanks. Or A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. All right. We already talked about Good it. Good choice.
0: Yeah. Love it. Okay. Number eight, I had Lupita Nyong'o oh, for us. Great. Uh, I mean, everybody in us has to play two roles, basically. They're mm-hmm. doppelganger. But Lupita is the only one who has the doppelganger who talks. Right. So she really has to create two different characters here. And they're each so specific. I mean, her vocal work and physical work in it yeah. is astounding. Yeah. And I don't think we'll spoil the twist to no, this, we won't. this movie.
1: Well, uh, no, we will. We will. We will? <laughs> uh, we will when we talk about it on my list. Because okay. I have her on my list, too. Okay. So just know when the next time we talk about Lupita, in a few minutes here, we're going to spoil the ending of Us. Okay. <laughs> but we'll tell you again before we do it.
0: <laughs> but uh it similar to, you know, Florence Pugh, it's just like here's a horror movie centered around a female character and she really has to kind of let us in on and let us in on what's going on emotionally but also like there's a distance that she has to keep there that mm-hmm. the character has to keep and just so so many levels it was astounding.
1: Agreed. I'll talk about it in a second. Okay. Um number 7. My turn? Yes. I have a tie here. This is not fair. This is me cheating a (laughs) hundred percent, but kind of like doing what talking about. You were just saying when actors do the thing that they do really well, like, so I have Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio for once upon a time in Hollywood, because I think this movie for the both of them highlights the incredible work that only they can do as actors.
0: I get it. They're co-leads.
1: They're co-leads. And yeah, Brad Pitt, like the scene where he's trying to, this might be a spoiler. I don't think it is where he's trying to, where he's on the ranch and he's trying to get in to see the guy who owns the ranch. Yeah. And just how chill and cool and like, but also <laughs> threatening, but also sexy he is <laughs> in that few moments where he's like, I- I'm just going to go in there. I'm just going to go in there. Like that to me is like only, only Brad Pitt can be that person. Uh, and then with Leo, the scene that I think of is when he's in the trailer and he's crying and yelling and screaming <laughs> in his cell saying he's going to kill himself if he doesn't do the scene right. Like that is the most Leonardo DiCaprio moment I've ever seen on film.
0: <laughs> it's somehow hilarious and terrifying and heart-wrenching yeah, all at once. Yeah, 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 yeah. And say what you will about Tarantino. And there's many valid criticisms that have. people can I've said have.
1: have. i said a lot. I've said what I will about him.
0: <laughs> you can't say that he doesn't know how to take advantage of star power. Yeah, I agree. Like he knows how to highlight uh movie stars. Yeah. And almost feels like a little bit of category fraud with Brad Pitt being supporting, right? It but, does, yeah. but but that was his best chance of winning, I guess. Yeah. And uh looks good without a shirt off.
1: Well. That's true.
0: <laughs> uh number seven, I have Anna De Armas for Knives Out.
1: Oh yes. Very good.
0: She's the uh she's the main character. She's, she's the uh the maid for Christopher Plummer who is the murder victim in yeah. Knives Out and she's got to carry that movie.
1: Yeah. She's incredible. I did I almost had her as an honorable mention, but then I was like, but I want the whole cast of Knives Out.
0: <laughs> this again was such a hard year because there were so many ensemble yeah. acting performances where everybody was great and it's really hard to single people out like
1: chris evans in that movie that might be my favorite thing he's ever done yeah that's his name right yeah the superhero guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: uh, there's a, a scene early on in the movie with uh with anna de Armas and christopher Plummer that is just maybe one of my favorite scenes yeah. this year where they tell you what really happened right uh and but compared to like again like the star power of everybody else in the cast like she's not that well known right uh which were, I think was really savvy casting on Ryan Johnson's part yeah and to have this uh immigrant character kind of be our hero in it mm-hmm. and uh and then she gets a victory at the end of the movie that is just one of the most perfect endings spoilers yeah it that is so like final pick up in shot years.
1: of her spoiler it's a spoiler fast forward <laughs> where she's standing above them with a coffee cup in her hand, couldn't be more <laughs> satisfying in today's political climate. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just great.
0: And looking forward to see what she does next, because uh, she was really great Yeah. in this.
1: Agreed. I really liked her a lot. I, she totally would have been on the list usually. Now I want to put her on the list. I don't know. This is how it goes, right?
0: Give her a tie with somebody else.
1: Uh, number six. I think... I'm totally getting his name wrong, but this is, for me, was the dad in Parasite. I thought it was Kang Ho was his first name. Is that his last name?
0: Well, Korean names, usually the family name comes first, and then the uh, your your first name comes second.
1: Okay. So what does that mean?
0: <laughs> uh, I believe his name is listed as Sang Kang Ho, which means Sang. his family name is Sang, and then his personal Got name it. would be Kang Ho.
1: Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. So for me, he and this was like again a tricky one because everybody in that movie is great, but he probably stuck with me the most afterwards. His performance,
0: yeah, maybe because his character goes through the most.
1: Yeah, but certainly the sun is incredible. I mean, uh, uh, everybody is great. The maid is incredible. Yes, I mean, it's just I cannot believe that none of them were nominated. <laughs> for- <laughs> I mean I can. I can totally believe because the Oscar screws shit up all the time, but yeah, like some of those performances were the best of the year for sure.
0: Yeah, I think the th- the thing about Bong Joon-ho is his movies are just kind of genre mismashes, mm-hmm. mishmashes. Uh and for the first half of this movie, it's almost like a comedy of manners. Uh, as this family slowly ingratiates itself in this rich family's lives, yeah, and so he's kind of like the the mastermind patriarch of this shady family, right uh and he's really funny, but then it kind of takes a turn where it gets deeper and darker and mm-hmm. more of a thriller and then more of kind of a a, a social commentary drama mm-hmm. you know it's this movie just has everything, yeah. That was what number six for you? Yep. Uh, number six, I have Florence Pugh for Little Women.
1: Nice, nice.
0: Uh, she's Amy.
1: Yeah. In
0: this, and she's got to play like 12 to 22. Yeah. And she does it.
1: She's incredible. Like, um, I mean, we have a lot to talk about with Little Women, I think, both (laughs) of us. But I'll just start the conversation here, which is that I was never a fan of Little Women. Like so many of my my friends and peers were, kind of grew up on Little Women. Um, I saw the movie when I was like 14 with Winona Ryder and I was like really pissed off at it. <laughs> like Claire Danes. I, the, the thing I remember loving about it was Claire Danes' performance right. and then just being totally baffled and confused by Winona Ryder ending up with What's-His-Face, who's like 20 years older than her. Oh, what's his name? What's that actor's name?
0: Yeah, from The Usual Suspects. Gabriel Byrne.
1: Gabriel Byrne, right. And Christian Bale ending up with Amy who was Samantha Morton and Kirsten Dunst. Samantha Mathis. Samantha Mathis and Kirsten Dunst. This is <laughs> the worst. I've ever, This is the worst paragraph I'll say all day. Um What's my point? I'm not a fan of Little Women. Then I read the book when I was like in my 20s. And I was like, this is not for me. So I didn't care about little women coming out. Like it's not something that I wanted to see. And then we, I was sick. It was right before the holiday. We had a screener. We sat down and we were like, let's just watch this because we should. And it blew my mind to pieces.
0: <laughs>
1: I loved it so much. Like I can't think of something that I've loved more recently. We then went and saw it in the theater. A second time, which I've, I have don't do. I never see movies right. twice like in a theater like that.
0: We've seen it at home for free. Right. Now we're going to the theater like a week later. Because
1: I had to see it, it on yeah. a big screen. I was like, I cannot let this movie go without seeing it on the big screen.
0: Yeah. And they showed it on celluloid too, right? Yeah. 35 millimeter print.
1: It was incredible. Um,
0: and then we saw a talk back with Greta Gerwig, Saoirse Ronan, and Florence Pugh yes. afterwards.
1: Yes. Coming back to Florence Pugh, though, I think she's a big part of the reason that I loved this remake so much because Greta Gerwig did such an, a smart, incredible thing, which is kind of really raise the status of this typically kind of vilified sister, you know, um, uh, and gave her her own storyline and her own needs and wants. And just – she's almost equally uh, – as inspiring i think as joe in this version um for me at least maybe it's cuz i'm older now but amy for me like walking out of this this movie this version of the movie i certainly felt like amy was just as sympathetic and inspiring as joe march which is weird and wonderful
0: yeah and there's real chemistry with her and timothy chalamet
1: yeah exactly
0: and she, she gets some of the best speeches in the movie too, and, yep. and really nails them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously it's a stretch for her to play 12 years old. You know, yeah. she's got this husky, deep voice. Yeah.
1: That was a little weird at first. I'll be honest. I was like, she seems like
0: older. It's suspension of disbelief. But then yeah. I
1: really liked that choice because it's kind of jarring in the other one to see Kristen Dunst turn into Samantha, whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Mathis? Mathis. was beautiful and wonderful but you know it was strange um i agree great great performance
0: number five
1: number five sorry my screen went off renee Zellweger and judy sure i i loved her performance as judy garland i liked the movie a lot i didn't think it was like the best movie of the year but it was solid but it was it, it was solid and i can't honestly imagine anybody else Portraying Judy Garland in that way. It's so tough with Renee Zellweger. Like, I've always been a fan of Renee Zellweger. Again, Nurse Betty is like, I've said this before in the podcast, one of my favorite movies of all time. I think she's an incredible, versatile actress. I know that she's mannered and I know that people are really annoyed by her. I've just never felt that. I've never been annoyed by Renee Zellweger and pe- people can't stand her. <laughs> Which is such a shame, I think, because I think she's really versatile.
0: You love the Bridget Jones movies too. Oh,
1: of course. In Chicago, I mean, she's just really. If you look at her film credits, it's inc- it's incredible the different. types of She doesn't of repeat
0: herself, played. no. Other than playing Bridget Jones multiple times, right? Yeah,
1: which I'm fine with. Um, I, you know, I, I just don't. I don't get the hate towards Renee at all.
0: <laughs> I don't have her in my top ten, but if I, I feel like oh, really? she is she is going to win for actress, and I think it'll be deserved.
1: When we left that movie, you were like, that was incredible. I remember you saying yeah. that. Yeah. I'm surprised she's not in your top ten. Um,
0: I mean, it's always no hard to play an icon.
1: Yeah. Like
0: Tom Hanks is doing with Mr. Rogers as well. She's got to sing. Yeah. Um, Now, Judy wasn't singing particularly well then, so she right. kind of gets, gets a pass to pass. But that also, way. she can sing. Like, yeah. That's
1: the other thing that annoys me. It's like people are like, well, she doesn't do that good of a job singing. It's like, well... She's singing like <laughs> I yeah. don't know. You Not what it. people expect. Like she she sang in Chicago yeah. and she was great. I don't know. Uh I, don't come at me with this one. I don't feel like arguing with this one about pe- with people about this one. <laughs> because I just there's just I'm not going to change my mind.
0: <laughs> just accept it, Greg's listeners. Carla loves Renee. I
1: love her. Her <laughs> her awards, her um what am I trying to say? Her speeches aren't the best <laughs> the awards <laughs> she's no uh what's her face from last year Olivia Coleman Olivia Coleman who I love love
0: <laughs> Well I don't think if Olivia Coleman prepared that speech then it then that's the most fantastic acting of all time right
1: Right but what I'm saying is like Renée is clearly freaking out every time she wins an award like I think that there's a real vulnerability about her probably as a person and a real insecurity which is probably why she does She
0: tapped into that well yeah. for this role
1: Yeah um, and I do find kind of her story kind of sad. Like she felt like she couldn't, she like took five years off from doing movies almost entirely, I think, because she just felt like she wasn't a normal person anymore. Yeah. Like Renee Selweger did this. Uh, and then the way that people attack her in the tabloids and, and uh, it's just like, it's, I think it's sad. <laughs>
0: My favorite scene in that is when she goes home with the, uh, the gay couple who have been w- seeing all of Mine her, too. seeing all of her performances and waiting outside the theater for her. And she kind of surprises them by like, yeah. let's go, out, let's go out to dinner, yeah. you know, but you really sense that this woman who's like one of the most famous people in the world is so alone mm-hmm. and lonely. But also, like, how devoted the gay community is to her and how important she is in their lives. You know, that scene explains so much about Judy Garland, the icon, and the the character. I agree.
1: It is it is the best scene in the movie. Agreed. And if you look at pictures and video of Judy Garland from that era, from that time that Renee Zeller is portraying her, it's kind of uncanny. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Like, they look... A lot alike. Anyways, that's my, that's my defense of Renee Zellweger.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: <laughs> Who's your number five?
0: George Mackay.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's just got these haunted eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the movie. Obviously, physically, it's got to be a very demanding performance. Mm-hmm. But... The, I mean, it's the classic kind of British stiff upper, stiff upper lip movie, right? Which he's just going to go forward and he's got to deliver this message. And you, you were on the side of this guy the, the whole way through. And, uh, it's just, it's devastating performance.
1: The stiff upper lip thing is so interesting because I mean, obviously like, So the idea is like they're trying to hide their emotions. So they have to have this stiff upper lip, but I felt like in with his performance, like if he had shown emotion, he would have gone mad. Yes. Like, and I, and you really get that sense the whole time. Like he can't allow himself to be emotional because he's literally on the, on the edge of the cliff and he will just go insane.
0: Yeah. My favorite scene for him in this movie is when he's just – something devastating has just happened and he has to get in the back of this truck with all these other soldiers who he doesn't know. So truck gets stuck in the mud mm-hmm. and uh he's – we know what his mission is. Yeah. None of these guys know. He's just some other guy who's thrown in and the effort that he takes to – push the truck out of the mud and rally the other guys behind him. And you can see the other soldiers kind of turn and like they realize that something is up with this guy. You know, it's, it's great. But
1: then I like that they don't, I feel like in another movie that the guys would have picked a fight with him or whatever, but you can kind of see them rally him and support him. Yeah. That's very moving. Yeah. Okay. Great. Number four. Yep shia labeouf
0: oh my god as james
1: lord in honey boy
0: yeah come uh, on uh, oh yeah you like this movie a lot more than i did this
1: movie wrecked me like i (laughs) sobbed for hours after seeing this movie and if you had told me Last year, that Shia LaBeouf would be on my <laughs> top ten performance list, I would have like done what Craig's doing right now, which is laughed in my face. You'd be uh, like, "Who
0: is who is that Carla? Who is the Carla a year from now?" I
1: have. I, I went to a screening of this with a friend just because because I wanted to see this friend that I hadn't seen in a while and to spend time with her. And it was a free screening, and I this movie fucking killed me. <laughs> <laughs> like i just uh yeah i just loved it and i thought he was wonderful and I, there was a talk back with him afterwards and i thought he was so eloquent and
0: <laughs> vulnerable wow
1: and like i i know this i sound insane i like i i just i've always thought that I don't even know what other movies he's been in. Like Indiana Jones is that the last movie I ever saw him in maybe? I have no idea. I never saw the Transformers. You haven't movies. kept up
0: with his career. I
1: read about his stuff in the tabloid, not in the tabloids because I don't really read tabloids, but I read the headlines of like him doing strange performance art and like thinking and me judging him and being like that guy's an idiot. Um, but I think he had a really tough childhood in a way that Uh, is probably true of a lot of child actors. And I thought that this was such a cool exploration and kind of exorcism of those demons. Mm -hmm. And I felt, I mean, I think anybody who's ever had difficult moments with their parents, whether you're a child actor or not, can really relate to some of the stuff in this film and addiction and how addiction is passed along through families. And uh, yeah, it just worked for me so well. And he's incredible in it. Like he's, I thought he was kind of unrecognizable as the, and he's playing his father. He's playing his real life father.
0: Yeah. Which he's is just, bald, right? Yeah. And yeah.
1: I mean, gosh, I thought it was a great movie. I'm really surprised it didn't get more love.
0: I thought the best thing about it was the directing, actually. Yeah. The uh, director I is a, a young Israeli woman. Yeah. And, uh, it was really, some great imagery I agree. Um, I'm excited to see the next thing that Some she does. Stuff that really as well. stuck
1: with me. Yeah, I agree. I am too. Um, and the
0: lead kid was the kid from a quiet place, right? Yeah,
1: he's great. He's, he's really incredible. great too.
0: And Lucas Hedges plays the older yeah, version incredible. of him. Yeah. I mean,
1: it was just a really, I, I don't know, Craig's listeners, if you're still listening to this, <laughs> if you're, if you haven't fast forwarded through my thing, <laughs> I would recommend going to see Honey Boy. I, I think it's a really simple, sad, sweet movie.
0: Great. Love it.
1: That's my pitch for it.
0: Number four, I have Adam Driver for for marriage Star Wars? Story? No, for Marriage Story.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. He was great. He's not on my list anywhere, but I don't disagree.
0: Uh I really liked all of the acting in Marriage Story. I did too.
1: I, people are hating on Marriage Story. I don't get it.
0: <laughs> it feels like it's... Among a small sample size of our friends, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that people are not digging marriage story that, that much. But that was another thing where we saw a screening with actors, uh, a few weeks before it came out on Netflix.
1: But we left that Q and A.
0: Well, yes, we, <laughs> those sag, uh, panels are always awkward. Like the moderators are terrible and yeah. the, the, Union actors ask terrible, embarrassing questions.
1: Yeah, it makes me want to crawl out of my skin. I think we lasted two questions into that.
0: It was really Q&A, awkward, you know?
1: and everybody was there except for Scarlett Johansson wasn't there, right?
0: No, but Ray Liotta and Adam Driver Lord was Dern. Lord Dunbar yeah. was there. Yeah,
1: and I was like, we have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> we did. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's wonderful in it. Um, really moving. I I really liked that movie a lot.
0: I mean, he's one of the biggest movie stars now which like from seeing That's him insane. in girls a few years ago you would never thought yeah that i mean star wars certainly helps right but I, I think he really gets to show some versatility in this role and he's he's kind of a fuck up like he's not always a great dad you know mm-hmm. but you really see him fighting and i mean that scene with alan alda where they kind of take a sidebar uh it's that scene where he's like am i am i paying for this joke George. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, it's got the, you know, the clip thing of like, he's got to know that I fought for him, but it's, it's just so moving. But
1: it's a clip thing because it's so true. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of, I mean, we have friends who've been in custody battles and have said similar things. It's just like, I have to fight for my kid. um I went through, you know, my parents divorced and we had a custody awful battle situation it's ugly and i knew it was more about them winning against each other and they knew it was more about that but like you still find yourself in these situations right winning against each other beating each other i guess having status having power when you're in a powerless situation i mean it's so relatable um i think sure you know there are small things that i people are always going to get annoyed with in films you know um I know a lot again, like a lot of people don't love Scarlett Johansson, which is also strange to me. Uh but I think it's just such a universal story at this point. And somebody was saying the other day, it was no Kramer versus Kramer, and I was like, that movie came out in 1979, (laughs) which is also one of my favorite movies of all time, by the way. It's
0: forty years old.
1: It's an incredibly dated film and the whole the whole point of I mean, it was it's just a totally different movie. Um, I just think it's really silly to compare those two. The only thing those two movies have in common is that divorce. it's a divorce with a small child.
0: Yeah. And I think it should be noted how funny he is in this role, too. Yeah. And particularly the scene where the observer is there and then he acts, he, accidentally cuts
1: himself yeah yeah <laughs> and he's
0: just that's a great he's scene. just spurting blood everywhere and trying to hide it from her and oh. we feel for him because this is his one shot to show that he's a good dad yes. and he's answering all the questions wrong yes and she's like do you do you need to get that looked?" At? he's like no no i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> so sad and then he's got that sondheim song at the end too like he gets yeah. to do a lot in this and show like an enormous amount of range and i was really impressed
1: i agree I, I have nothing to hate on about marriage story. It didn't make any of my lists but, oh really, but i really I really liked it, yeah, it just didn't it didn't stick with me in the way that some of these other films did, and gotcha. I probably wouldn't ever watch it again <laughs> <laughs> but I did like I was so glad I saw it and I was moved watching it in the moment. It's tough though. there's a couple scenes that I'm like, I don't yeah, yeah. just as violent verbally as anything physically I've seen this year.
0: There's some heart wrenching stuff, yeah,
1: um, where are we?
0: You're number three.
1: Lupita Nyong. Great. Adelaide, right? Red. Those are her two characters. Yeah. She's number three for me. I thought 100% she should have been nominated for best actress. Definitely. And could have won it. <laughs> you know, maybe should have won it. I mean, I did, I did really enjoy and admire Renee Zellweger's performance, but I did just as much with Lupita's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if it's and this is a, you know, systematic racism. I don't know if that's what it is or if it's that it's a horror film or but it's it was shocking to me that she didn't get nominated. That was probably as big of a disappointment as anything else, I thought.
0: Well, yeah. I think in another year of Oscars so white, the only per- person of color is Le- is uh Cynthia Erivo, right. who's a great performer she's a
1: wonderful actress yeah but
0: you didn't see harriet i, I thought it was very kind of by the book you know yeah. and uh not that interesting of a movie unfortunately though she gave a great performance in it of course uh lupita Nyong'o would have been a much much more interesting choice yeah i think i think some people were just kind of puzzled by us particularly after get out um was so like wild widely and wildly loved right uh, And r- that really felt like the horror movie that crossed over into being a critics and popular mm-hmm. pick, but he was going for some weirder and deeper things with us. And it kind of confounded some people maybe.
1: Yeah. I don't know. So here's the big spoiler thing, everybody fast forward, but she's not only playing two characters, she's playing one character who ends up being another character. Yeah. And then, we did watch it a second time and getting to kind of see understanding that and seeing the different layers of the performance. It's, it's truly one of the most astounding performances I've ever seen. Like I can't even imagine how she prepared herself as an actor to be playing Adelaide who is actually red. Yeah. Who's pretending like she's Adelaide for her whole life. Like it's just incredible.
0: (laughs) And we don't know to what degree her character is conscious of that, or has, you know, right. uh, rewritten it in her mind or, or whatever. But definitely, like the full realization of that uh, has happened to her at the end of the movie. Yeah, you know? it's definitely a movie that is even more impressive second time around. Yeah, I think because you notice more stuff. Midsummer, uh, I think is fantastic. I was not quite as impressed the second time around, maybe oh, because the, the shocks and the tension of it were alleviated a little bit from mm-hmm. knowing it, you know, and I really appreciated the craft of it, uh, the second time around, but, uh, I didn't quite have the same experience. And I think us, uh, is, uh, revealed more depth the second time around.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, for you?
0: Number three, I've got Scarjo for oh, Marriage Story.
1: I had no idea you were going to put her above Adam Driver. What a surprise.
0: I mean, if I knew that we were doing ties, I could have just had them as <laughs> ties because they're very much co-leads in this. But I did watch this uh, a second time around. And Laura Dern, I think, is getting the most love for this movie. And she should because she's, she's great yeah. in it. But... The character is maybe a little more one note, you know, mm-hmm. cause she's the, the badass, uh, divorce lawyer, divorce lawyer, and she's got great speeches in it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I just think Scarlett Johansson has to do. So much more in this and she does have that scene with Laura Dern in her office the first time where everything just kind of comes pouring out in a character who's kind of like not had the chance to advocate for herself uh, before like it all comes out. And then that just the scene that you alluded to with Adam driver and his like little shitty apartment in the Valley or, mm-hmm. or whatever, where the, just like all the vitriol kind of comes out, all the things that they've been holding in and it just gets nasty and mean and cruel, but there's still the love there that they always had for each other. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of the most devastating scenes yeah. this year. Uh, really I incredible. loved her performance in this.
1: I'm glad that you included both of those. I- yeah. I just, there were so many great performances this year. It was hard for me, but i um, I thought they were deserving for sure. Great. My number two is Florence Pugh as Amy March. In great. Little Women. We already talked about it, but yeah, for me. And I thought that, um, Sersha Ronan was incredible too. I mean, everybody in Little Women I, I loved, but in terms of just like surprising and, um, something that stuck with me, Florence Pugh was my number two.
0: Florence Pugh, number two. Mm, for you? brad pitt nice uh i don't have too much more to say than we said already but uh i mean tarantino just wanted to create a character of like the biggest badass of all time and who better to play him and like again he's just so relaxed in this like the characters relaxed and brad pitt is relaxed and he's just having a great time but then he's gotta like beat the shit out of a bunch of hippies yeah, <laughs> at the end of the yeah, movie yeah. while tripping on acid. Yeah. Like it's, it's nuts.
1: We'll talk about more about. Okay. Like, we'll talk about once upon a time. Great.
0: About. What's your favorite performance of the year, Carla?
1: All right. Here's a one from left field.
0: <laughs> really?
1: Uh, Mary Kay Place and Diane.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Was the performance of the year for me. Wow. Uh, I still think about it. Uh, Spoiler. Spoiler for this. This is a movie called Diane. This is the big spoiler for it. Fast forward. But her scene where she dies at the end, where where she dies at the end, (laughs)
0: like
1: I've not been able to stop thinking about that all year. And it's not even a violent or melodramatic scene at all.
0: Now, this is a movie that many people may not have heard of this. Yes. Then. Yeah. Uh, I think it is streaming on something, maybe on Amazon it is. Prime. Yeah.
1: I can't remember which one, but it is.
0: Uh, but this is a indie movie about an older woman. Yep. Um, <laughs>
1: who has a son who, who has an addiction and she's k- l- kind of lived in the same area her whole life. She is surrounded by family and basically the film is just, her going from middle-aged into older, into elderly, I guess, and watching the people that she's closest to around her die, yeah. her friends and family, her relationship with her son. She has this secret, which I won't spoil, um, of something that she did that she regrets, and she feels like she blames herself for his addiction. It's incredibly sad. <laughs> It's probably one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. It's up there, yeah, um, but it's the her performance is so God, I just recognize her. I recognize so many people that I've known, like family and older friends, um, I just recognized it in the in her performance, and uh yeah, just stuck with me in a way that uh, yeah i i I can't I'm kind of haunted by it.
0: I mean you come from a community where a lot of people is stay in their hometowns yeah. and with a lot of uh a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles and family and th- there's something about her uh her family table gatherings where everybody gets together that does feel a little bit about where like where you grew up. Yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was fantastic in this. I, I want to see this movie a, a second time. Me too. It's which a, is
1: weird for me because I don't like sad movies.
0: Yeah, but it's it's just it's really well done, it and is. it's a great character study.
1: And I can't imagine anybody else but her in the perform doing the performance. And uh it's not like you know, it's not a showy thing. It's just she's just playing somebody that all of us have ran into at the grocery store at some point in our lives. She's just playing that woman that never really got a chance to say anything about anything.
0: But it's a movie about relationships too Mm -hmm. and the different relationships in her life and there's some characters who just kind of like float in and out and there's some characters she only has like one or two scenes with but all those relationships are so specific Mm -hmm. i think that's what mary Kay place does so well is like she's a slightly different diane according to who she's with right in in the scene that's why I always think that Steve Carell in The Office is the greatest TV performance of all yeah, time yeah. because Michael Scott is so different with each person in The Office. Yeah. But he's still recognizably Michael Scott.
1: Glad we ended this conversation about Mary Kay Place with The
0: Office. Great. <laughs> my number one performance of the year is Steve Carell in The Office. Um, <laughs> uh, I went with Saoirse Ronan as Joe March Aww, as my number one performance that's nice. of the year.
1: I didn't mean uh, to say that condescendingly, but i <laughs> I meant that I meant I truly do mean that's nice. I'm sincere.
0: I mean, you know, I love Florence Pugh, but I think Sir Rona is really my favorite actor. Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I just I think she's fantastic. Yeah, in, she is. She's so great. In everything, um, I mean, so much charisma, and I mean, Joe March is like the ultimate, you know, plucky feminist heroine, mm-hmm. right? But also has been played so well by Winona Ryder and is so iconic. But uh, Saoirse Ronan brings something new to her. And mm-hmm. obviously everybody else in the movie is great too. But I, I do think she has to to not carry the movie but drive it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think.
1: That's a good way to put
0: that. And uh her scenes with Tracy Letts are, uh, incredible. are incredible. And just the victory that her character – secures it at the end is is so great and then just watching her watch her book get made yeah is uh is one of the best
1: i love that you consider that a victory at the end because it's a concession well but yeah. it is a victory because it's she's weird a
0: woman. yeah <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> uh great i don't disagree with any of your choices there are a lot on there that i wish i had included in mine as
0: well well I was worried we would double up on too much stuff. So it felt like we we double up on a few things, but uh, but covered a lot of ground.
1: Um, I have some honorable mentions, which I'll just go through yes fairly quickly. Is that okay? Yeah. Meryl Streep in Little Women.
0: Of course. You got to include Meryl. I'm
1: sorry, but she kills it. Like if anybody deserves uh, an Oscar nomination for a 10-minute performance, it's Meryl Streep. Yep. Um, Alan Alda in Marriage Story.
0: Loved him.
1: I mean, he's – I don't – I love Laura Dern. I'm not dissing Laura Dern at all. I think she's wonderful. But he's equally as good.
0: And Ray Liotta's great too. But yeah. And Alan Alda's part is relatively small, which is maybe why he didn't get as much awards love. But...
1: I thought it was just as big as Laura Dern's. Maybe yeah. I'm misremembering.
0: But uh, I wouldn't expect too much out of that cat is probably the line of the year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I genuinely laughed a lot at Alan Alda in that movie. Uh, Billy Lord in Booksmart.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, With, she like was,
1: the performance of that film.
0: Carrie Fisher's daughter, yeah, she's really funny.
1: She's very funny, um, and I just love how she keeps popping up at every location that they turn up at. Yep. Uh, and then J Lo in Hustlers, I loved it. Loved her. Loved it. Loved the movie.
0: Yeah, I think you loved the movie more than I did. Yeah. I, I thought the movie was okay. Uh, I think she was robbed of a nomination.
1: I do too. Uh, I think you know people don't. Uh, she's not given enough credit. I'm not even a huge J Lo fan. Yeah, but I think she was really deserving in that film. Okay, you have any honorable mentions? Uh,
0: I mean so much. There's uh, a, <laughs> but I'll try to make it brief. Uh, there's a Australian movie called The Nightingale uh-huh. that's made by the woman who did The Babadook. And this is this is not a movie you should see. Uh-huh. And it's a movie that me, I mean ne- meaning me. Carla. Yeah. And I I but I want to warn Craig's listeners there's this, like graphic depiction of sexual assault in it. It yeah, is no like things. ugly. And I nearly walked out of this movie. It was so graphic. But the two lead performers are a woman named uh Aislin Franciosi and there's an Aboriginal actor named Balkali Ganambar. Uh and they are just mesmerizing in it. And uh if you were a viewer with a strong stomach who wants to watch uh, a story about white people uh, kind of taking over the outback in 1850s Australia or whatever yeah. it is. It's uh, it's worth a watch because these two actors are great. Um, I did have somebody from Diane, but I had Jake Lacey from oh, Diane. God.
1: Yes, of course. Um,
0: and he's uh, he's just a really wonderful actor who I think is so good that he really has not been acknowledged a lot. He's yeah. the boyfriend in Obvious Child.
1: Yeah.
0: He is... Uh,
1: he was the boyfriend in Girls. That yeah. That was Adam Driver.
0: And he's uh, Gwen Verdon's younger boyfriend in Fosse, Fosse Verdon. Verdon. But he plays a drug addict, uh, the drug addict son of Diane in yeah. this and that's just a role that we've seen so many times before of like the addicted family member and i just thought that he brought new levels to it and was so believable uh and especially seeing having seen him in lighter stuff like mm-hmm. it was i didn't feel like he was doing any like actory things to show like i'm a playing a druggie now yeah. you know I, I really thought he was great and uh i regretted not having robert de niro in my top 10 because i thought mm-hmm. that he gave his best performance in years In the Irishman, which, by the way, is my number 10 movie, if you want to get into that. Um, I'm almost through seeing it a second time. Like, I've been watching it in about half hour increments. Mm -hmm. I think this is a movie that if you're not a big Scorsese fan, I think it's fair to skip it because I see it on a continuum with, uh, if you've been following Scorsese and De Niro and Pacino's careers, this is a great kind of elegy for them. Mm -hmm. And it's a little similar to like Altman's, uh, Prairie Home Companion where I don't know if Scorsese's planning on making this his last movie, but it's very much about getting old and aging and, looking back with regret and it, it's a movie that uh, especially its last hour, I think uh, gets kind of deeper and deeper and more moving. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that I think the, uh I think in some ways the Netflix thing didn't do marriage story or the Irishman any favors. I agree. Uh, like it might've helped them with distribution and might've helped them get awards cons- consideration and stuff, but there's something about the instant hot take society that we live in on twitter right, right, right. where when something debuts on netflix we all weigh in on it and it felt like both of those movies kind of took a hit uh as a result mm-hmm. and i think other than laura dern i don't think any of them are gonna get any awards on on sunday And i think it's a I'm bit conf- of a shame i'm
1: conflicted because i i totally agree with everything you said but then there's also that idea of like but probably three times as many people have seen can you hear me sorry I couldn't tell because you were. (laughs) Uh, many more people have seen those movies though as a result of it being on
0: Netflix. That's true.
1: And I mean, I think even Scorsese has said that, right? Which is like, he wants the most people.
0: That's kind of the deal with the devil that you make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: my number 10 is Echo in the Canyon, which is a documentary. (laughs) Okay. About music that was made in Canyon,
0: Laurel Canyon scene, in Laurel
1: Canyon scene
0: in the mid to late sixties. Yeah.
1: Um. And I think I've seen it three times. Wow. <laughs> it's like my favorite airplane movie. <laughs> I saw it by myself in the theater last year because I was killing time, um, in traffic, waiting out traffic in Santa Monica, and um, it's I think one of the last screen uh screen not performances but appearances by Tom Petty before he That's passed That's right yeah Um Jacob Dylan right it's, Bob
0: Dylan's son is the host yeah
1: Yeah and it's he goes through uh all of these different musicians and records that were made in this time period in Laurel Canyon and just how they kind of affected um changed music and inspired people after that. And it, the thing that I love about this film, I mean, besides the fact that Jacob Dylan then gets his contemporaries like Fiona Apple and uh, other people to sing these songs with him uh, live in concert. But what I love about it is it explores. I'm so fascinated by time periods when artists found themselves in a huge community of people and they inspired each other to make great art. Um, There's so many stories like this and, and, you know, like, uh, Just Kids by Patti Smith is something that comes to mind. That book, uh, which is one of my favorite books. Anyways, I just find, I find those, like, random, <laughs> those random groupings of artists just by, just by total fate, I guess, that they found themselves living together or living around each other and influencing each other. The same thing with, like, um, uh, all the SCTV people yeah. who like,
0: <laughs> were in Godspell were in, in Godspell Toronto
1: together, but like also Victor Garber was in that production.
0: Paul Schaefer. Paul
1: Schaefer, like it, it, Catherine O'Hare. No, she wasn't in it, but she was like around at that time. Yeah. Um, Eugene Levy. Anyways, all these incredible comedians who just kind of knew each other because they all lived in the same town. Uh, so for me, it was a number 10. I'll, I'll probably watch it again.
0: <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Great music in it. It yeah.
1: is. Yeah. It's not the best movie, but it's one of my favorite movies.
0: Good companion piece to Love and Mercy, which is that Brian Wilson yes. movie with John Cusack and Paul Dano as the yeah. young and old versions of Brian Wilson. Number nine for me, I can't believe we haven't talked about this movie yet. We didn't have it on our, uh, any of our performances. Jojo Rabbit.
1: Yep. I have this on my list too.
0: Um. Yeah. I, I think this Oddly enough, of all of the Oscar nominees, I think it's got the lowest critic rating, even lower than Joker, maybe. Really? Like, it's had a, a fair amount of pushback huh. on it. But I think for us, uh, I think Taika Waititi was clearly, like, walking a, a tightrope mm-hmm. with this movie. And I think he really pulled it off, the, the balance of, because of the times that we live in, mm-hmm. you know, like. To be able to to make fun of fascism in in that way, but also introduce some real respect for the tragedy mm-hmm. of it, and um, and real depth of feeling, and I think there's a lot of great performance in this Scarlett as well. Anderson's
1: wonderful in this film as the mother. I thought,
0: and the and the kids. <laughs> and the I mean, kids the are lead great. the lead kid is so great. His fat little friend is the funniest <laughs> character. Mm-hmm. And then I almost included Thomasine McKenzie, who is the the girl in the attic. Yeah. Uh, because I had had her for um, the, uh, what's the movie?
1: Yeah, I don't remember the name. Yeah, of the
0: movie. I had her last year in my top ten.
1: Uh, but then what's his face? For
0: two? Leave No Trace. Sorry. Uh,
1: Fosse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bob Fosse is great Bob in it. Bob Fosse. With his jazz hands, Sam Rockwell.
1: Sam Rockwell, he's wonderful in he's it. Great. I I loved this movie. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't. St- stick with me as much as some of the others but i thought and just in terms of it being so surprising and uh really evoking all the emotions in me i was very reactive emotionally reactive watching this film yeah um
0: number nine for you uh
1: blinded by the light
0: <laughs> okay yeah
1: it was yeah it was a toss up here
0: You've got these classic rock things in your, in your top ten. Which is so
1: weird because I'm not even a big music person.
0: Yeah. So this <laughs> is about a young Pakistani-British yeah. teenager who falls in love with the music of Bruce Springsteen. It's based on a memoir.
1: Uh, there is what I would call the equivalent of a music video in the middle of this film. I mean, there's several.
0: Yeah. To Born to Run.
1: But to Bo- Born to Run might be my favorite sequence of any <laughs> this year in movies. Like, I loved – this this music in this film and how they were running around lip singing to it and dancing to it as though it was happening in real time yeah i just thought it was so whimsical and i don't mean that in a condescending way i felt just like totally caught up and inspired and loved it um it's not the best movie again but i would a 100 percent watch it over and over (laughs) again and uh yeah it stuck with me afterwards
0: yeah i mean i i think there's definitely some sequences where you leave exhilarated. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Springsteen fan,
1: and we do like. I remember walking out of it and us being like, "That was so fun." Was it the we were? You even talked about like there were other there were things that we would have done differently in it maybe to make it a better f- film overall, but yeah, to make the landing stick, I guess I want to say. But like, I, I just enjoyed it so much. Like the movie going experience was so fun for me.
0: It feels like it's a particular genre of British movie, which is kind of like plucky outsider. Yes. You know, sticks with it and yeah. gets a victory. You know.
1: And what's her name? Um,
0: Haley Atwell.
1: Haley Atwell, who I love. Okay, yeah. great. What's your number nine?
0: Midsummer. Or no, or n- I did my number nine was Sorry. Jojo. My number eight is Midsummer. Okay. Uh, and by the way, Florence Pugh, when we saw her at the talk back after Little Women pronounced it Midsummer too. So Slate Culture Gab Fest, you can stop saying Midsommar.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that we're talking about Slate Culture Gab Fest. Like, I mean, I hope, cool.
0: Dana, I hope you're listening. <laughs>
1: that's our podcast <laughs> that we listen to. Um, my number eight, we talked about it. Do we need to keep talking? No, that's it? good. No, number eight for me was Diane, which we already talked about. Great. Uh, number seven? I had us. I had Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Yep.
0: Number six, I have Marriage Story.
1: Honey Boy. <laughs>
0: okay. Number five, I have Knives Out.
1: Ooh, I have Us. Okay. So my.
0: Do you not have Knives Out in your top ten? So
1: Us was number five for me, but it was lower on the list for you. I think you liked it even more than I did, though.
0: That's true. I just I have a really hard time ranking these because I I think they're all masterpieces. I, I love these movies. For
1: me, like honestly. Five, six, seven, and eight could all be on the same. Yeah. Us, Honey Boy, Joda Rabbit, and Diane were all really yeah. effective for me.
0: Knives Out, to me, particularly in a year with so many heavy movies, like mm-hmm. is just pure crowd-pleasing. But also manages to say some savvy stuff about the, the world that we live in. Neither of us, I guess, had Daniel Craig, you know, maybe because it's more of a, it's, it's more tough. of a one note, you know, comedic performance, but he's brilliant though. So great. I don't in think it. it was
1: one note. No, I thought it was
0: Car- cartoonish though. There's a cartoonish aspect of it. I can't it, yeah. believe it
1: worked. Like I was, I remember leaving and just being like, I can't believe that I liked his ex, his dialect as much as I did. Yeah. Uh, number four? Uh,
0: 1917. Me too. Okay, great. We lined up there. Number three? <laughs> Parasite?
1: Knives Out.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So Knives Out for me was in terms of just a raucous time, <laughs> just the most fun watching a movie. For me, Knives Out would be number one in terms of the most fun, number three on this list, um, but I just, I had a blast watching that film in the theater.
0: Um I literally saw it again with my parents 2 days later yeah. after we saw it. I
1: want to see it again. It was great.
0: And Ryan Johnson is writing another Benoit Blanc
1: mystery. I can't wait. Mystery. I'm so excited. Yeah. I thought it was so successful as a movie. <laughs> like it's just incredibly fun.
0: And it was good to see it was a big box office hit.
1: It w- was as it? As well. Oh, yeah, good.
0: it did really well. I think that means you don't have once upon a time in Hollywood in your top 10.
1: That was the one that I was going back and forth with Blinded by the Light on. Whoa. Okay. Number two.
0: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me.
1: Parasite. Okay. Yeah. I.
0: You wanted to say more about 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 Once Upon a Time
1: time in Hollywood. It's a very problematic film. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed it. Both of those things can be true. Sure. And I thought. The performances were incredible. I was invested the whole time. I was surprised. Like, it hit all the great movie buttons for me. Um, but it's it did make me sick leaving the theater. And after, like, letting it sink in and understanding maybe why he made certain choices, that he was trying to make a point about things... I can see cuz we talked about this a lot. I can see that to be a possibility. But I just don't know that Quentin Tarantino needs to be the one to do that.
0: Mhm.
1: Like there are, there are other points to be made <laughs> by other people who haven't said as much. <laughs> sure. And He's so, gotten
0: to say a lot. So over I have his it, career. I
1: have it as an honorable mention. Like it was it could have easily been in my top 10 on any other given day but this morning i just felt like i just don't want to award this to quentin tarantino (laughs) with what little power i have
0: (laughs) is it still your favorite tarantino or do you like pulp fiction more
1: um i think i like kill bill the most oh wow um but it's i think it's a really really well done film and i'm and i struggle with that
0: (laughs) it's really hard to rank against other movies because Tarantino movies are kind of a world unto themselves. Like they're not based in reality. They're, they're based in reverence for movie history in a way, but he's not done a movie like this. This, this is so explicitly about the things that he loves, which is like cinema from the sixties and Hollywood glamor and kind of the underbelly underneath the, the glamor, the, the, I would consider myself a fairly big Tarantino fan. I think they're all worth watching. Even Hateful Eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just for the, the cinema of it all. Um, and I had problems with both Django and Inglorious Bastards, particularly because of the revisionism at the right. end of them. But this was a movie for me where the historical revisionism works, uh, with the major point that he's making about the artificiality of, Hollywood and here's a chance to get to rewrite what really happened with the the Manson murders, but we all know the reality of it and kind of like it. I I think a lot of people had problems with that final sequence, but for me, the ridiculousness of it worked of like here, I'm going to give you a Hollywood ending. I'm going to give you a violent ending um, where the, the hero quote unquote, uh, uses a flamethrower you right. know uh and but and,
1: it- yeah and i can see i i agree with all that but like how but like oh but quentin tarantino is so violent all the time yeah and that's like he indulges in that thing that he is also likely satirizing so he's self-aware but he's also uh a you know
0: uh, part of the problem?
1: Part of the... He is the problem, <laughs> you know? And we did rewatch it, and I watched almost all of it, but then I walked out right before um, the violent stuff, and I was... The violent stuff at the end when, you know, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio kill these kids, basically, these teenagers, like, it made sense in the movie the first time I saw it, and I even laughed at some of it because the violence was so heightened and ridiculous and crazy, but, like, I... I thought it was – when we watched it a second time, knowing that it was coming up and I chose to leave the room, like that to me was an indication of how I felt about the movie. Yeah. You know? Fair enough. I mean this is a whole other conversation to have for another time because this will probably be on your top 100 list <laughs> at some point. It might
0: be. It might um,
1: be. I do think it's an excellent movie. Uh It's very well done. I just – I haven't figured out all my feelings about it. Okay. Okay.
0: It sounds like we have the same number one,
1: but wait, I didn't want to, I, I don't feel like we gave parasite. It's due Yeah. real quick Yeah. for my number two, because for me, this is a movie like I've never seen before. And I, I've literally never seen a movie like this in terms of like the most unique movie I've ever seen. This would be it for me. Parasite. Um And like the, sh- the shot where, um the water's coming down the hill and they're standing he's standing at the top and like i don't even know how he the filmmaker fit everything into that frame <laughs> like it blew my mind um and i just i think it's probably the best movie of the year even though it's my number 2 well
0: th- this is why i think there's so many masterpieces because there's so many people who were just working in total cinema and every taking advantage of every ways of communicating within the medium Mm -hmm. uh i think and so like it really is like an all sensory experience watching it those first couple weeks where it was out in la and it felt like everybody was saying see parasite don't don't read up anything about it i saw before you you
1: too which is unusual yeah yeah uh
0: and like the less you knew going into it the 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 better, better i agree And I saw it in Pasadena. Um, and obviously living in LA, there's a lot of Korean Americans here. And I felt like a lot of people were laughing before the rest of the crowd because they could hear the dialogue before the subtitle would, would go up, which was kind of fun.
1: That is cool as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and then our number one,
0: little Little women. (laughs) <laughs> Who
1: knew? Who knew I loved Little Women Who so much? Who knew I
0: loved Little Women so much?
1: <laughs> we loved it. We loved it.
0: We cried for the duration of this movie. Yes.
1: I mean, Parasite for me was probably technically the best. The best made movie of the, the year. Best, it's the best film of the year. It should win Best Picture. But in terms of just like emotionally hitting me on so many levels, Little Women was just by an inch, my favorite film. All right. Um, really quickly, I just want to talk about the uh, the sequence of events that Greta Gerwig chose to do. Yes. And for me, somebody knowing the story of Little Women already, um, I really loved that she told the story out of sequence. And I know that that's like a controversial choice that people are not loving, some people. But I thought it was the most brilliant move she could have made because this really is a story that so many people already know anyways. And so it was surprising and fun to see how she chose to tell it. And it like hit me in a different way emotionally because of that.
0: And the way that it becomes a meta commentary on itself. Yeah. And this movie has untold depths to it. Yes. And I think it's going to hold up to rewatching really well.
1: It's going to be my new favorite Christmas movie for sure. Yeah. Like I'm probably going to watch it every Christmas.
0: Is Little Women a Christmas movie? Yes. You have any honorable mention movies or? Um, that we I, haven't mentioned?
1: Well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, we talked about that. And then Let It Snow, which is a Netflix.
0: <laughs> movie. I have no idea what that is.
1: <laughs> it's a Netflix Christmas movie that everybody's like rolling their eyes at right now by me saying, but it, it's adorable. And I would watch it a hundred times and I will. It's a romantic <laughs> comedy about teenagers
0: <laughs> um,
1: and it's delightful and I was – I just enjoyed it so
0: much. I think we should both say that contrary to most people or a lot of people, we both like The Rise of Skywalker. I did, yeah. Um uh, I also liked Gloria Bell was a movie that we haven't yes. mentioned, which is another similar to Diane, kind of a character study of an older woman played by Julianne Moore.
1: She was totally on my honorable mention list for performances, and I forgot to say it.
0: And I really liked a German movie called Transit. So you can find that, I think, on Amazon Prime. Carla, let's uh, take a look at the Oscars real quick. Okay. So best original screenplay this year uh, is... Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Knives Out, 1917. Wait, say it again. Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Knives Out, 1917.
1: That's best picture?
0: No, this is best original screenplay. Oh, my God. Um,
1: uh, let me see it. Let me see the list. I would go with um, Knives Out.
0: You thought Knives Out was the best screenplay this year? Oh, wait, no, no
1: Parasite. Year. I would go with Parasite.
0: Parasite seems to be the uh, the front runner though Tarantino might win again. Um the WJA went for Parasite, I believe. Yeah, they did. 1917 seems a uh, somewhat of a weird choice yeah. because it, most of it is uh Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> 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 um Yeah. I mean, in terms of just like classic screenplay, I almost want to go for Marriage Story because Noah Baumbach is a writer whose movies feel very, very written. It's not going to win. Let's go with Parasite. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we think Parasite will win. Yeah. And Parasite is actually your favorite. Yeah. Uh, I would go for Marriage Story as, as my favorite screenplay there. Adapted screenplay. Little Women. It's Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Irishman, Joker, and Two Popes. Little Women. Little Women should win. Will Little Women win? WGA went with Jojo Rabbit.
1: Oh, interesting. Little Women should win.
0: I think Little Women should definitely win. I think it will win. I think, uh, particularly because Greta was not nominated for Best Director, this is a good way to honor her. I think if Taika Waititi wins, it would be deserved, but not more deserved than Greta Gerwig supporting actor you've got Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time you got Joe Pesci and Al Pacino for The Irishman you got Tom Hanks for Beautiful Day you've got Tony Hopkins for The Two Popes I who mean, who do you want to win
1: I want Brad Pitt to win I'd be 100% okay if Tom Hanks won
0: Uh I also want Brad Pitt to win and he will win Yeah I think it's uh beyond a shadow of a doubt these four acting front lun- front runners are definitely going <laughs> to win um, supporting actress. You have Laura Dern for Marriage Story. You have ScarJo for JoJo. You have Margot Robbie, who we haven't talked about today, for Bombshell. Nope. You got Florence Pugh for Little Women. You got Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. I know your favorite here is Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell.
1: <laughs> I think Florence Pugh might win. I know that you're saying Laura Dern is locked, but this is always this best supporting actress one is always surprised, and it often goes to an ingenue. An ingenue.
0: If there is an upset, I think it might be her. Yeah. But I think Laura Dern will win. Uh obviously I think Florence Pugh should win.
1: I love Laura Dern though. But she's won before, hasn't
0: she? She's never won. She's um, never won an Oscar.
1: Maybe she will win then.
0: It's uh it's a good career achievement award yeah. for her. Actor, you got Joaquin for Joker, you've got Adam <laughs> for Marriage Story, you got Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, who was fantastic. He was great in this role. Yeah. I'm not normally a big Almodovar fan, and this movie was kind of like – it was like an Almodovar movie, but Antonio Banderas was a very deserving nominee for this. <laughs> Leo for Once Upon a Time, Johnny Price for uh, Two Popes.
1: Um, I would like Leo to win – i don't know i mean he's already won right like this is a category i don't care about i guess mm-hmm. probably leo or adam i'd be cool with winning I, i'm fine with antonio Banderas. i didn't see the movie i like that guy
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure
1: joaquin will win though joaquin's gonna win
0: he's gonna win yeah. i would prefer for adam driver to win actress you got renee for judy you got scar for mairstow You've got Charlize Theron for Bombshell. Oh, you got yeah. Sersha for Little Women. You got Cynthia Revo for Harriet.
1: Um, yeah, Renee's gonna
0: win. Renee's gonna win. You would prefer Sersha or Renee? You no, prefer, I would Renee. prefer
1: Renee.
0: I would prefer Saoirse. Uh, I, yeah. Well, I mean, I had Sersha and Scarjo in my top 10, but Sersha was my number one performance of the year. So yep. I gotta go with her, but it's gonna be Renee. Director. This is a little more tightly contested, I think. You got Todd Phillips oh, for Joker. You got Marty for Irishman. You got Quentin for Once Upon a Time. You got Bong for Parasite. You got Sam Mendez for 1917.
1: This is tough because I would have said Bong Jun Ho for Parasite, but ah, 1917 is like, if anything, I think 1917 should maybe win Best Director.
0: Oh, it's tough. And knowing this is an industry insider crowd and knowing that a lot of voters are are on the technical side. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows what a technical achievement 1917 was behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. I think Sam Mendes will win. Um I think he would be my personal choice as well, but it's really a toss up with him and Bong Joon-ho.
1: Yeah, I could go either way.
0: Picture, you got Ford versus Ferrari, you got Little Women, Marriage Story, Joker, Yo-Yo Rabbit, uh, Irishman, like I don't know, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, 1917. I think it appears to be tightly contested between these top three, 1917, Parasite, and Once Upon a Time. Once I, Upon
1: a Time's not going to
0: win. So you think so it's bad. a toss-up between 1917 and Parasite? I
1: do. I would like Little Women to win. But of
0: course, be, we would like Little Women I'd to win. I'd be
1: fine with Parasite or 1917 winning. I I loved both of those movies.
0: I think the Academy is going to go for Parasite here. Yeah. I can uh, see that. Though it is going to win Best International Film as well. So do you do they view of like we've honored it in this category? Do I mean we... they
1: often do that kind of stuff, right?
0: And with the weighted voting, it's actually more of a compromise thing. It's the movie that the fewest people had at the bottom of their list. Yeah. More than the movie that people love the most. So – That might, I think, I would imagine most people having 1917 in their top three or four, if not number one, and maybe more people would have Parasite number one, but maybe other people not seeing it. I don't know.
1: Uh, I bet, I'm going to bet Parasite's going to win, although I would be fine if 1917
0: won. Okay. well, we're releasing this four days before the Oscars. We'll find out soon how wrong we were.
1: I won't remember. On all
0: of these. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. Carla, thanks for a great movie year. We saw most of these together.
1: Hooray.
0: Uh, and Craig's listeners, uh, thank you for bearing with us while we paused the list for one week to talk about our favorites of 2019. But we're going to get back into our list because we're up to number three. And uh, mm. this is a 1985 movie. Uh, by Terry Gilliam Ooh. And it stars the star of the two Popes Mr. Jonathan Price as Sam Lowry as well as the star Of the Irishman Mr. Robert De Niro As uh, Harry Tuttle Buttle? Tuttle uh, This is <laughs> movie is Brazil Carla you've never seen Brazil? Never All right. Well we have our friend Nick Armstrong To uh, talk about that So we'll see you next week for Brazil The list is an absolute good.
1: The list is life.